This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I'm Leanne Castellino, and this is Where Parents Talk, where we look at parenting topics through the lens of science, evidence, or lived experience. On today's show, participation levels in organized sports in North America have been trending downward in recent years, even before the arrival of COVID-19. What's contributing to fewer kids registering to play at the grassroots level? And how can the overall experience of organized sport be improved? Our guest today is working to address those very questions. He has spent much of his life around sport as a gifted athlete, a franchiser for more than 20 years, and a serial entrepreneur. Matt Young has worked with organizations from amateur sport and the professional leagues to Olympic athletes across several countries. He's also the founder of FSQ Sport, whose mission is to help sport organizations provide quality experiences for all stakeholders. Matt Young joins us today from North Vancouver, BC. Great to have you. Thank you for being here. Leanne, thanks so much for having me on. Matt, there are many reasons for declining registrations in youth sport, including access and cost. Now, in recent years, abuse scandals, coaching practices, fan behavior have dominated headlines, adding further fuel. So when you look at the big picture, what is your assessment of the current state of youth organized sport in Canada? Let's start with recognizing that there are a lot of people doing good things in youth sport in our country. It's not fair to lump them in all the time. We only hear about a lot of the bad things. Having said that, those people that are doing good are not the norm. They seem to be the exception. And the norm is poor. Um, You know, we're not providing equal access to sport for kids. We see sport leaving our school system, where that's where the most amount of uh, young people get introduced to sport. Um, We see community sport that's not being run very well. It's being run by people who lack business experience and lack leadership experience. And we seem to have kind of, um, that's the way we've always done things, attitude towards sport in a time where things are changing daily and the needs are much more than they might've been last week, last month, and last year. And, you know, probably the most alarming thing is we really lack that courageous leadership that says, okay, sport has made a pivot and youth and amateur sport have made a pivot from um, what their original intention was to becoming bigger business. And we have not wrapped our arms around putting guardrails up or or having some accountability uh, and governance around that. And I think that's, it lends itself to a really dangerous precedent. How would you describe the fundamental purpose of organized youth sports? Well, in the early days, it was actually to prepare people to be physically uh, active and healthy for war. Uh, And then it kind of went to the Industrial Revolution. So we needed to be healthy and active for sport. Um, And then, you know, it became um, a nice nice to have additional, you know, in in with education, it became something that we, we really understood the whole mind-body connection. So it became something much bigger than, you know, the the showcase tournament on the weekend or the standing, the score, and the schedule. To chart a path forward, it's important to understand the history. How would you go about summarizing how we got here? Yeah, very simply, I think we have not 
looked at this through a design perspective, what's coming up. Uh, we're, we're not proactive and that's just human nature. We're not proactive in seeing what are some of these gaps. If we do X, what, what will happen in Y, et cetera. So we, so we react. Uh, and when we react, it forces us to put the toothpaste back in the tube and the genie back in the bottle, which is infinitely harder than actually sitting down and saying, okay, we really need to um, uh, look at this. It, it's As you said at the outset, it's a billion dollar business uh, running with no CEO. What other organization would we tolerate that in? Uh, none. So I think we, we need to move away. How do we get here? It, it, we, we've continue to default to the way we've always done things in a time where change happens rapidly. You are listening to Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino in conversation with Matt Young, sports business entrepreneur, discussing ways to improve the experience within the amateur organized sports arena. Matt, there's so many players in this equation, literally and figuratively, coaches, trainers, parents, at the grassroots level. How would you describe the role of a parent if their child is playing an organized sport? Well, the role of the parent is to be the biggest cheerleader, number one, uh, whether it's good times or bad times in victory or defeat. And they really have to understand that this is a journey for their kid. And this is not a journey that is, is going to be, you know, the span of a season. This is a five to 10 year journey. This is where the kids are going to learn a lot more uh, about the standing than just the standing, the score, and the schedule. We've got winning, losing. We've got feedback, communication, roles, and responsibilities. So it's really incumbent that the parents understand um, that this is a journey that's about much more than than what's right in front of them, and they really have to separate themselves from looking on the social media or worrying about what the Joneses are doing, and really understand what needs or is sports serving for their own kid and then educate themselves uh, with best practice with communication with understanding uh, what this is all about and how to be that best support Um, sometimes it's going to require them to speak up when they see things that are uh, not jiving with what they believe should be the experience sometimes it's gonna mean that they have to seek to understand and stand down while other their kids go through these experiences i mean We're all going to come across not great coaches or leaders or teammates through our lives. Youth and amateur sport are the perfect opportunity for us to experience that where there's very low consequences. So let's let our kids work through those consequences. Um, Let's give them the tools to say, hey, listen, you know, if there's a problem, we're here to help you, but we're not here to do it for you. This is not our go around. It's your it's your opportunity. You've been around sports in different aspects for decades. Could you provide examples of some of the questionable behavior that you've witnessed? Yeah, I think the most obvious is the abuse. So I have seen a lot of um, player abuse. I've seen a lot of official abuse, a lot of coach abuse, even a lot of administration abuse. Um, I think we think that it's our right to just say what we want and behave how we want. Um, and that's not true. Uh, we have to be very mindful of that. I think that's obviously the worst case scenario, but even more subtly, um, you know, parents not understanding how, what, how the kids are so tuned into not only what they say, but their body language, how they react to a loss, how they react to um, adversity, how they react to um, hearing the news that their neighbor has 
been selected to uh, participate at a higher level of sport than they are. How, how do they react to that? What are the responses to that? And I think that's an unconscious incompetence uh, on the parent side, um, not knowing that their kids are really tuned into how they're reacting and will become like them and, and will um, adjust their emotions up or down based on what they're seeing from their parents. And that can really positively and adversely affect their performance. So I think that that's probably um, what we see the most in the parents is just, it's again, just relaxing. And again, I go back to that journey. It's, it's a long journey. Um, so just sit back and enjoy it and understand that there's no possible way that um, every single kid on every single team is going to score or every single time kids play a sport, they're going to win every game. It's, it's just not realistic. So I think we have to kind of uh, really ground ourselves in reality and, and enjoy the moment. We live in a very competitive world. The inherent nature of sport is competitive. How can a parent better manage that competitiveness in themselves before potentially projecting it onto their young athlete? Well, Leanne, that's a great question. That's why I found you. Uh, I don't have all the answers for that. Um, I would like to know that because we were talking on a, on a podcast a couple of weeks ago as as when did that start and how do we manage it? And I don't, I really don't have an answer for how we manage that because um, it's such a pervasive um, topic and it's such a emotionally charged, deeply rooted psychological. You know, I've heard it termed as as it's you know it's well intentioned but misplaced. It's it's uh, you know it's out of love but it's it's doing the exact opposite. So. I'm not really sure how you talk to parents about that because you can have conversations after conversation after conversation. There are things that you can do, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, you know, coming up. But um, when it comes down to it, I'm, it's a really personal connection between parent and child. And uh, I get it. The parents want to see their kids succeed all the time. They want to see their kids having fun. They do not want to see their kids in situations where they might fail. I, I understand that, but I'm just not sure how we um, share and parlay outside of continuing to message it that there is a lot of success from failure. Um, there are a lot of, uh, of success from being quiet. There are a lot of moments where we just sit back and let it play out instead of jumping into to intervene. More to come on Where Parents Talk. We will be back after the break. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. I'm Leanne Castellino, and this is Where Parents Talk. Our guest is Matt Young, and we're talking about the organized sports journey for participant, parent, and others. Matt, in your journey, you also bring the perspective of being a dad of athletes yourself. How have you managed that within your own household, watching your kids play at different levels of sport? Well, full disclosure, I did it the wrong way and uh and and quickly learned that that it was the wrong way it was a a situation where uh we were in the the changing room and i was putting on my eldest pair of skates and and i think he was five or six and 
he asked in front of everybody, Dad, are you going to say the F word if I don't do X, Y, or Z again today? And everybody looked at me and uh, I had to look at myself and say, you know what, you're right, that's, that's not the behavior that we want. So then I immersed myself in how do I become that um, partner? How do I become that cheerleader? How do I become the best support for the kids? And, and, and it quickly changed to, listen, we don't care about the outcome. Uh, we don't care about, um, it's, it's, it's not our journey, it's your journey and we're here to support it. And, and, you know, we educated ourselves on what to say, what not to say, how to behave, how not to behave. And, you know, at the end of it, uh, I found myself being the only person standing on one side of the arena. Well, the entire team was standing on the other side. And when people asked me why, I just said, I'm, I'm not interested in, uh, um, a critique and play-by-play -play of every single kid on the team. Uh, every time they play, I just want to come here and watch my kid play. I've already had my sporting experience. Um, this is time for them to have their sporting experience. So, you know, I think there is value. I think everybody does it. I know what what those feelings are. I know how they come about. But uh, I, I think it's a choice that you make uh, on what the expectation is for yourselves and what how that parlays to your kids. Not everyone is going to have that level of self-awareness to say, you know, I've got to change my own behavior. So do you believe there might be an opportunity for training parents whose kids play a sport? Yeah, no question, Leanne. Um, you know, and I, I always advise organizations to stay away from uh, words like education, like parent education and coach education. Nobody wants to be educated. Um, but I will share a story. So we were asked to do a parent education uh, meeting and for an organization and and we responded with is it mandatory or is it uh, you know do people get to choose if they want to come or not uh, they get to choose great is it one night or two nights it's one night um, you know so we said okay we're going to charge you five thousand dollars for that one hour session and they said well that's that's a little bit pricey and I go well it's just it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of my time uh, what we will do is if you invite all of the stakeholders there so players, parents, uh, someone from the officiating department, coaches, um, administration, and you give people two nights to choose from because people are usually busy. Um, you make it mandatory so their kid cannot play that sport unless they come and, and listen to the vision, the mission, the values, the goals and objectives of the organization, of the coach, of the team. Um, because if we don't do that at the outset and give people the opportunity to say, oh, well, this is okay, I get it. This is for me. This is not for me. Um, then we're just going to be putting out fires every practice, after every practice, after every game. Why didn't my kid get to play, etc. And the first time we did it, we did it with a soccer team. And I was really nervous about what the response from the parents would be. And afterward, I could, because I could see them, first thing we did was we asked kids, hey, listen, why, why do you play this sport? And of course, they gave us all the answers that we know, fun, friends, fitness, uh, all the things, um, you know, and then we said to the parents, how are you supporting what they just said? Uh, and, you know, and then we asked the parents what they wanted out of the experience, what their expectation was. And we kept going until we heard the word development. And then we dove into that. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Um, what does that mean to the coaches? And we had a conversation. It was only 25 minutes. Uh, we talked about all of the reasons for the decline of participation in sport. We contextualized it for those parents, for that community and organization. 
And at the end of the 25 minutes, Leanne, it, it, there was a lineup of parents like, thank you so much. We, we did not know what we did not know. This has been the most informative um, parent meeting that we've ever had where we weren't getting lectured. We weren't getting yelled at. We engaged them. So I like to use the word engagement, parent engagement, bring them into the process by sharing, uh, by being vulnerable, by, by, uh, you know, highlighting their importance by giving them the to some tools, you know, when you see this, do this, if you see this, do this, come ask me. But again, that to your point, that really requires self-awareness on behalf of the organization and willingness to do that. And, you know, from what we've seen, if we're not setting that foundation and anchor at the outset in a mandatory preseason meeting for all stakeholders, then we're just, we're going to be, we're going to be putting out spot fires the entire season. And it's going to be less enjoyable. Now you touched on declining participation. Could you expand on what research you and your organization, FSQ Sport, have uncovered where it concerns organized sport? The biggest thing about the decline in participation of sport is becoming the cost. Um, when we have these pay-to-play systems, and we, we've all heard about the pay-to-play systems, the, the cost for traveling, for the teams, for the gear, um, trying to keep up with the latest composite sticks or shoes or cleats or what have you, um, sport is really, that's, that, that's what contributes to that $28 billion price tag that is on sports, the hotels, all of that stuff um, really can be a limiting factor to some kids to participate. So, um, are, you know, the question is, are we are we actually seeing our best talent um, or are we just seeing the talent that can afford to show up there and participate in all of these events? And it's, you know, obviously the bifurcation of, of sport. Um, we see it in other areas of our of our society, but we we're really starting to see that in sport. So, I think that that has definitely contributed to the lack of participation. But other the other factors are technology, obviously, um, kids plugging into technology, um, the lack of free play, lack of fundamental movement skills, um, no fun. Kids just aren't having fun. It's it's a job. Um, they didn't sign up for a job. Uh, they want to just go and play with their friends. And we just continue to impose our uh, um, thoughts on what their sport experience should be instead of listening to the participants and what they want it to be, which I find really strange. So there's lots of factors that, that contribute to the decrease of participation that some we can control and some we can't control and some that are going to need to be managed. So I think when you look at those different things you look at the marginalization of physical education in schools it's a big factor um you know we're we don't we're not preparing people to move properly and if they don't have that foundation then we don't get to having confident competent movers uh, and that that has a big impact on sports so it is a multifaceted problem um i always go back to the elementary school um the high schools because if the fundamental movement skills and free play aren't happening at home and they're not happening in the schools then by the time we're 13 14 15 it's it's almost too late how would you go about assessing where we need to be in the short term to improve the participant experience in organized sport well we need to ask ourselves are we really serious about um, developing physically and mentally well-rounded citizens or, are, or or is that just a campaign promise or buzzword we quite quite frankly that's what we need to ask it's not going to happen in a four-year 
political cycle. It's got to be something that's long term. And when you look at the countries that have embedded that in the culture, the Scandinavian countries in particular, uh, you can see when you go there, you can see it's part of the culture. Uh, it's what we're doing uh, together as families or after school or on weekends or part of the school program. It's embedded in in their culture. So, uh, you know, to get back to answer your question, you know, if if we do not do that, we're going to continue to see the rise of mental health issues um, that have, have started earlier and earlier in life. We're going to continue to see the, see the rise of, of disease that's from sedentary lifestyles and behavior. Um, you know, we're going to continue to see the rise of, of, of drugs and shortcuts and all of the things that people are trying to do to make themselves feel better um, that are less work than going out and being active. Um, and there's going to be inherent you know, flaws with that and downstream effects that we don't know um, because of that. So I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, are we really serious about being uh, creating a culture, whether it's just in our family, whether it's in our community, or whether we don't need to wait for any government on the federal or provincial level to do it. We can start in our own households, but I think we have to ask ourselves what's important. We talked about a parent's role How about a coach? What do you believe a coach's main role is when instructing children at a grassroots level? A great coach is somebody who helps young people believe in themselves. If we go into a room and ask 100 people, who is your greatest coach and why? Um, They will report things like gave me confidence, believed in me, connected with me at a different level, held me accountable. All traits that come from culture, character, social, emotional connection and confidence. Um, But what do we teach? What do we teach predominantly in in our coaching um, world, we teach technical tactical. So everything we teach is 90% technical tactical. When uh, every time we've done that drill of asking 100 people, we'll see, you know, 98 sticky notes on one side and two sticky notes that said he or she helped make me run faster or jump higher. So it's, we, we are missing the mark on, on what we're, how we're coaching coaches. Um, and, and some coaches are missing the mark on what their role is, in my opinion. Um, this is, it's, it's not about the coach status and it's really tough as a coach to put your ego aside, um, and understand that the business you're in is development and you, we can't, we can't just throw the word development on our website and say, we're about development. If we're not baselining, reevaluating at least mid season and end of the season, you know, mutually agreed upon development criterion, some which will be from the technical tactical, some which will be from physical, but some need to be from the character, connection, culture and confidence as well. So I think we're really missing the opportunity um, as coaches to be because every team that we've coached, um, we, we've actually focused on the individuals, each individual and our only goal is to finish the season better than you started across these skills. So they're aware of what the skills are. They're aware of what the, their homework is, which is specific to them. And at the end of the season, instead of, you know, walking into a room and saying, we're going to win the championship in a league of a hundred people where there can only be one winner. So that means 99 losers. We can have 14, 17, 46 winners because we have reframed what it is that we're focusing on, which is the individual's, progress over the season so that way we can create way more wins and take a guess what happens 
when you focus on the individual's progress over the season. Guess what happens at the team level? They're more successful. Where the lines get incredibly blurred is when you have a lot of parents who are also volunteer coaches as well. So what would you say needs to happen in terms of coaching the coach at the grassroots level? I'm really glad you asked this question. The saying is just because you're a volunteer doesn't give you license to suck at what you do. And there are a lot of great volunteer programs where there's training programs that are put in place that are mandatory. We just had the 2010 Olympics. The volunteers were exceptional because they had a volunteer training program. Um, so I don't, we have to, we have to park that narrative. And the second thing I want to say, Leanne, is people always say, well, any coach is better than no coach. That's not true. And we're seeing that every single day in the media right now um a qualified coach qualified coaches need to be qualified and and one of the things that we've started working on is how do we introduce these coaching skills and if we just take the term coach and we intersperse it with partner manager leader employee employer these are all interpersonal relationship skills why aren't we teaching these in college and high schools why are we still stuck on Shakespeare and learning these things in, in, a, in a day and age where we really need to up the ante on the connection, up the ante on these soft skills uh, with our kids? So um, I think in the absence of, of implementing a, a mandatory leadership program, which would benefit every um, kid, regardless of what uh, they were taking in, in schools, um, the coach, no, no coach should step on an ice pitch anywhere without having some mandatory training on interpersonal skills. Uh, why are you a coach? Why are we doing what we're doing? What is it that we're doing? Um, and, and how can we support you in being a great coach? So I think that that is absolutely mandatory. I, I think that it is a mistake. We're, we're, we're going to pay for it. If we don't pay for it at the outset, we're going to pay for it on the other end. You look at the money that's been spent by Michigan State, half a billion. Uh, you know, the US OPC, half a billion. Like we're, we're talking big bucks. So you're, either, you're going to pay one way or the other. Why not be proactive? You contend that we really need to focus on giving sport back to kids. Take us through some tangible steps that you believe need to be taken to make that happen. Yeah. Well, number one is uh, we talked about it in the TED Talk. Let kids be kids. Let them sort it out. Let them have their free play. Let them enjoy uh, the sport and have all the learnings on their own time. Uh, number two is see something, say something. We're, we, we're, we're too worried about rocking the boat or, or being ostracized. You know, we don't want to hurt our kids' chances. Well, if you see something that's untoward to your kid already, they're already being hurt. So um, step up and say something. That is the responsibility of our parents. And it's not just your kid, it's every kid. If you see something that's uh, not right on your team, because your kids are watching that and other people are watching that. Um, and then I think we have to really look at restructuring our industry. And we said that again, we said that in the talk. Um, there's just too many uh, fingers in the pot. There's not enough money to go around. There's not enough accountability. Um, everyone's got their own board with their own thought on what it should be. Some are informed, some are not formed not informed um you know there's just too many there's just too many in our canadian sports system and hierarchy there's just way too many levels of bureaucracy and nonsense and that needs to be consolidated in a, in a meaningful way and we don't have to look far because we we've seen 
the, the Scandinavian countries and what they have done. Uh, there, are, there are no travel teams in Scandinavia. Uh, why would you leave your community uh, to play someone else when we could just develop great things in our own community? I agree with that. Um, you look at Australia, the Cycling Federation reorganized itself from you know, 12 different boards to one board, uh, 11 CEOs to one CEO, and now they have a, a much more effective system uh, number one, number two, the revenues go directly to the athletes and support the athletes. That's what we should be doing. So somebody does need to come in and overhaul sport. That's going to require a courageous leader. It's not going to require, it's not going to be somebody, no offense, that's well, used to be in the housing portfolio and now they're in the sport portfolio and next they'll be in the, you know, uh, some other different portfolio. It needs someone to be someone that's got experience in business and experience in leadership and experience in sport. Matt Young, entrepreneur and founder of FSQ Sport, thank you so much for taking the time to share your perspective with us today. Thank you, Leanne. Appreciate it. And that is our show for this week. Remember, you can always watch the full video interview at whereparentstalk.com. And if you missed any part of today's radio broadcast, you can listen to it on more than 50 different podcast platforms, including at 1059theregion.com. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.